Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, welcome yeah. back to uh, Star Science Training and Research, episode two. Um, yeah, with uh, Sunil and Faz. Hope you're all well. Right. So, Sunil, how's it going? <laughs> all good. Um, really excited and happy to be back on um, episode two. So we survived the uh, the pilot episode, and the studio has given us uh, the thumbs up <laughs> to continue on with the show. So yeah, the audience. I've not got any. Um, yeah, I've, I've not got any feedback. Um, did yeah. anyone kind of feedback to you and tell you that what they enjoyed? Yeah, um, Ollie did. Ollie, if you're listening, thank you. He liked, and also Tukia, who's a school my, uh, a friend of mine from like primary school. He, he messaged on the video and he also messaged me on WhatsApp as well. And he said he really liked it. So um, yeah, it's been like two or three people who've said something about it, which is nice. And my channel got about the same amount of views as yours. That's cool. It's good. Yeah, I was interested like into kind of finding out, you know, if it was like more nutrition they were interested in or training or uh, mindset. So what did he say? Yeah. Tokyo said that he, he liked the bit about fasting. And he liked a bit about doing things out of the ordinary. Um, Ollie liked the discussion yeah. about how we're approaching things from a different angle than like mainstream fitness. Um, so that was kind of cool feedback. Yeah. I'll send you the screenshots actually so you can have a look. All right, Kaylee. Yeah. Nah, that, that's, um, that's interesting, yeah. But um, yeah, um, pretty much doing all right at the minute. Um, still can't taste or smell. Uh, so it's been nearly about two and a half weeks now. Um, but yeah, sl slowly adjusting to that. Yeah. That, uh, is that a bit worrying for you? Like, it's, um, it's, it's a really strange experience because obviously I've never experienced this before. So for it to happen, it's kind of like having to adjust to that. And like, it, I think um, accepting it as well was another part. So just accepting the fact that, you know, this might last for a while, um, I think has helped, but um, it's, it's a strange experience because I've kind of, my, my experience with eating has always been dictated by taste and smell. Now it's sort of like, I'm just eating for survival, which is like obviously what, what, we, what we're doing, but the taste and smell is a big part in that as well, yeah. Can I ask a question about that? Like, I, I don't, I couldn't imagine it. Like, do you, cause I mean, do you get anything from your nose do you get the textures? Like, what are you experiencing when you eat? Or is it literally just like, you could be eating cardboard? Yeah, so there is like a slight um, sense of smell, um, but there's nothing with uh, taste. The, the, how I explain it is, is like, if I, have, if, I, if I have honey or like cinnamon, I get a sensation of like, I know that it's sweet. Um, it's, very, it's very strange to explain. But when I put like salt, um, oh, I don't mind either way. Okay, you good to go? Yeah. So yeah, um, like like the the sweetness and the okay, <laughs> yeah. So like the 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 sweetness and the savoriness I can differentiate between, but I, I, I just can't taste. So I know when something's salty, I know when something's sweet, um, but it's very strange. Like um, the texture of foods uh, is something else. So like crunchy vegetables and crunchy fruit um, helps at the minute. So 
yeah, that's kind of my experience at the minute with that. Um, yeah. I've got another question on that. Are, are you, is it, is it making you more want to eat like different things? Like, or are you, do you want to eat more like flavorsome food? Because I don't know, like, is it changing your needs and wants? Whatever. This is weird because I'm putting stuff like paprika still and salt on my food. And I'm like, why am I doing that? It's like, because it's, it's not, gonna, it's not gonna make a difference. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I'm like, why am I putting cinnamon on stuff? Because I'm not going to taste it. But it's just like that. I've been in, I've been in that habit of doing that for so long, where I'm just doing it. If that makes sense. Yeah. But it's it's not going to make a difference um, if if I do it or not. So um, it's more of, I, it's more textures that I'm going for, more of the crunch. Um, and I think that is like how they you know get people hooked onto processed foods with like crisps yeah. and stuff, where the crunch is what kind of gets them hooked as well so um but yeah it's like i think i mentioned this in my youtube video where i said it, it could be like a potential superpower where if i don't get my taste or my smell back i'll just yeah. be eating like the most nutritious foods and yeah. it, it won't make a difference so you know yeah, I, would, um, I wonder if just, there's like a genetic variance with that like maybe that's one of the reasons why people go for certain people go like just one of the factors where people go for like more highly calorie foods because you know like you were saying there's a difference with the process and the texture and stuff i wonder if that there's a possible mechanism there like it's, it's hard to test that like how are you how are you going to test it yeah um yeah because like you know how with like processed foods like people kind of destroy their is it palatability yep by you know never coming back to like a, a fruit or a vegetable and then it tastes like crap um yep. That's another thing as well. Yeah. That might be some that might be an interesting thing so, to suggest to like some kind of diet research or something. Like maybe one of the factors which affects. But then I suppose what would be the point of studying it? It would just be you wouldn't actually be able to change it because you know, or maybe sometime in the future you could bioengineer a virus which could kill off your desire to have crunchy foods. Because at a certain point they're gonna have it all down to a science, you know, because they're already looking at things like leptin and appetite, and if they looked at that and the role of that. But then leptin is not so useful when you inject it because you get leptin resistance. Uh, and they're looking at other factors like fires, fat burners. But I think at some point they're gonna like chemically engineer and it's just not gonna be a problem. You'll just take a pill or whatever and it'll be fine. It's like the, the example of um, uh, erectile dysfunction and, uh, and Viagra and Cialis. So like before Cialis was like readily available, if you went to the doctor and said, you know, I've got a problem with what X, Y, and Z. They would like tell you to like work on your marriage, and, like spice things up and, uh, you know, try toys and stuff like that. <laughs> but like after the invention of sex, <laughs> just be like, you know, here's a pill. You will have sex tonight. Like that's it. No questions asked. So uh, and it just solves the problem. And I imagine at some point, obesity is probably going to be like that. We'll just get it to the point where it's a science. We understand it. We know it. <clears throat> yeah, on that point as well. Um... I think I was experiencing some um, sort of stress eating. So like, I don't know if it was like anxiety. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if I've experienced anxiety, but um, I don't know if, if it's like that lingering. It's like a lingering feeling that like, kind of doesn't leave you. Um, and I don't know whether the experience of that kind of affected my eating because, you know, how some people could can stress eat and just like eating in general can help with stress. Um, yeah. So then I started, I started like looking into like, um, what's the term? Is it master, mastification? 
or mastication? Ma mas what's the not masturbation? It's the chewing. Um, no, 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 not that. Yeah, <laughs> that's a real, that's um, a real distraction altogether. So yeah, I was like, <laughs> yeah. So like chewing gum was something like I was using recently, yeah, yeah. yeah. sugar-free chewing gum, just to kind of probably help cope with that. But um, yeah, that's just some some of my thoughts uh, with that experience. Um, yeah, just sharing, yeah. you know, kind of what happened because. Yeah, it's like a distraction yeah. technique that people use. Like they eat food to basically distract them from the day's stresses. Like I cover that a lot with my clients. There's sort of unconscious eating. And I think there's, there's distraction. You, you pair that together with somebody who's most, I mean, this is a typical diet model for most people that I've seen is they're under, undernourished in the daytime. They leave the house on a coffee and good intentions. And they power through the day. Then when it comes to the evening, they're starving and they're also stressed. So they're binging and it's just like, that's, that's everyday 24 hour cycle. Um, and that I work with people a lot who do that, who are in that sort of, and just subconsciously in that sort of um, cycle. But yeah, no, interesting, interesting chat. So um, yeah, update on your, um, on your COVID experience. Cool. Um, I think that I, the first thing I wanted to kick off with talking about today was I, I saw this. So, you know, I've got a bit of a bee in my bonnet about um, like very low calorie diets and extreme diets and, and pushing, it's kind of like what we were talking about last week. And I, I saw this and I'm going to read it out in a second, but it was a discussion piece by a famous YouTuber called, um, his name is Sean Nalewanch. I think he's been around for a while because I remember him when I was first on YouTube, like years ago. I think he's, he must have been around like before this decade, uh, last decade, he was maybe 2008, 2009. He's been around for a while, he's old school. But anyway, he put out this piece. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just um, read it out, read out a couple of paragraphs. Uh, and this is him. When it comes to losing fat, oftentimes the reality is that slow equals fast and fast equals slow. In other words, when your primary focus is on simply losing fat as quickly as possible, you'll progress more slowly or not at all in the overall picture since you'll naturally gravitate to more extreme methods that aren't sustainable. Uh, just to finish, he says, la da da da. Um, things like starving yourself with a large calorie deficit. Um, you'll get some fast results, but you'll burn out. On the other hand, if you stop rushing things and you realize it's a lifestyle, you'll get your goals, uh, blah, blah, blah. So basically, my it's like the same um, sort of tired message that we were fighting back against last, um, last time on the, the Star Show. And it's that very, it's that, and so my, my question to that is, all right, Sean, that's great, but where's, where's the research which supports what you're saying? And you have, or is it just your opinion? You know, for the most part, it's just his opinion or perhaps the people he's worked with, perhaps his, he's imposing his methods on the people he worked with because it's certainly not in the research and that's what we're going to look at today. It's like, it's for the most part, the uh, lower calorie diets are very, very well supported in the research for good long-term success. And so what he's saying is, is absolute crap. Um, and it's all well and good saying, look, this is what I find works for me and my guys, but putting yourself in sort of juxtapositioning yourself against something which is clearly works in the research it's like you're talking shit Sean you know that's what it is so um I, that's kind of what I want to address today like I think that's more that's sort of an un, unnecessary and um without foundation attack on very low calorie diets um which are well supported in the research so he's sort of going out on the limb on a limb here without any research so what he's saying is crap basically but it's a very easy sentiment to get behind and that's kind of the first thing I want to talk about, but I just want to let you respond first and then um, 
yeah, talk about the first question. So, yeah, what do you think? Yeah, so just on that point, um, I'm wondering where he's kind of coming from with that in terms of, with my experience with uh, very low calorie diets, um, I've, 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 I've kind of figured out and experienced that um, the way you set, set it up um, is important as well. So I don't know whether he's coming from like the just uh, calories in, calories out, um, or if he's looking into like setting up, you know, macros a certain way. But the way that I've experienced it um, in the fastest fat loss kind of approach, um, I rarely, I, I would say for the majority of my my time doing that on a very low calorie diet, my hunger was not an issue because of the way I was eating um, and the, the sources of like food and I, the food items that I was using. Um, I kind of documented that on my Instagram where I was kind of showing people, I, I literally showed everything that I was doing. And I was like, look, like hunger is not an issue for me at the minute because of the way that I'm setting up my diet. Um, even though the calories were very low, it's the way that I structured it that helped me get through that um, without any issues with hunger. I did experience hunger at some stages, but that was like around the 800 calorie mark, which is probably understandable <laughs> if you if you just think about that. Um, but when it was in that period of, you know, around the low thousands um, to mid thousands on calories, it wasn't an issue. And that was the high protein, um, the fibrous vegetables. Uh, I just released a video going over, you know, volume eating um, and how to set that up, um, which I think is a massive help. So I don't know whether he's kind of, I, I don't know where, where he's coming from and like the setup of that, you know, um, diet he's talking about, or I, I'm wondering like how he's approaching it and how he's setting it up and why the people that he's probably working with are experiencing those problems um, with like crashing and so I think like the, the setup um, and how you set up your approach is a massive um, part of it. So I'm, that, that's where I'm coming from. So just to throw back to you on that. Yeah, so I think that's a really good point. And we'll, we'll cover that in a little while when we look at, but I want to um, just look at sort of the background of this. Where I think he's coming from is where everyone in the diet industry comes from, which is to say my way is better because diets fail. All right. And that is a very easy position to take now you look at the uh keto crowd like your dr fung and uh, all those kind of those kind of hucksters right uh, you look at the yeah, oh no, don't get me started on that. yeah, yeah. so you look at those guys also you look at the people that we were talking about last week the guys who like this guy set up their position to go you know don't do it in an extreme way or you'll get an eating disorder basically diets are bad my way is better and i want to just kind of point out there's a i'm looking here at a study on long-term weight maintenance. And this is by uh, Wing and Phelan 2005. Basically, this is the statistic. Research has shown that approximately 20% of overweight individuals are successful at long-term weight loss when that's defined as you've got to lose at least 10% of your body weight and maintain it for at least a year. Now, so that's 20% after a year. And the follow-up to that is for those 20%, I think it's a further like down reduction of maybe another like maybe 10% of the people of those 20%. So like a minuscule amount, maybe like 2% of people sustain it for five years. So the dieting statistics are awful. So all these people in diet, this is, this is super important to understand because like all these people in the diet industry are saying, my way is the best way, everything else sucks. They're all doing it with the position of saying, of, of, of leveraging off the fact that 
everyone's bad at dieting. It doesn't matter what they do. So like, I hate it when people go like, yeah, flexible dieting is the best way to go and this method's shit because diets fail. It's like, no, they, they all mostly fail. Like it's really hard to do long-term weight loss successfully. Um, so you can't set up your entire position based on that fact. That is like a really narrow-minded point of view. It's really dogmatic. And that's where I've got an issue with that. Just like I've got an issue with Fung, <laughs> I've got an issue with a lot of people who are, who are putting their, their own position saying, like, my way is better because, um, you know, diets fail. So, yeah, what do you think? You know, on the, on the Fung part, um, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if this is a, correct. Maybe you can, you know, um, correct me on this, but is he saying, like, fructose from, like, fruit is bad and you should avoid fruit? Or, like, I don't understand... That's what I'm taking away from him. Is that true or? Yeah, he he says all kinds of crazy shit. Um, you know what? Funnily enough, he's. He, I read his. I read his book actually. Right, the obesity code. Because I figured if I'm talking so much shit about Fung, I at least need to read the book. So um, I went and read it. And uh, bottom line is, I was highly unimpressed. <laughs> so he 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 meant, he, 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 he was here's to the uh, carbohydrate insulin model of obesity, which basically says that um, it is. Um, insulin which is the main cause of body fat and all things bad like you know rather than calories and that's not supported by the research at all um, I'll tell you what there's there's one guy well I'll tell you how bad the situation is this might be bleeding into another topic but um, the research on that area is so bad for two reasons one most of the research is not designed particularly well and it's done with like questionnaires and you know you work with people with diet like the number one thing is that you're, you're struggling with right initially is um, misreporting. So you ask someone like what they ate after the fact. I mean, come on, you're never going to get a straight answer. And so there's that. So a lot of these studies are based on just poor methods. Now, when you do get, and also the other thing is there's a lot of dodgy research. So um, I'm going to talk about this because Menno Hensman has already talked about it. And, uh, but apparently it's kind of all hush-hush. So I'm just going to say it in this way. Menno said right so i don't get in trouble meadow said for the you know five people that listen to this right meadow said that um, a guy called jacob wilson is who was doing a lot of keto research uh, basically released, released a paper in 2015 or 16 where the, the data figures were just all messed up they're all they're basically falsified but you're not in, in research circles you're not really allowed to just call somebody out and say dude you just falsified your record you have to sort of ask them questions and then they can deny it or they can provide plausible deniability, all that kind of stuff. You can't just say, look, you're full of crap. It's just not the way it's done. So anyway, Lane Norton has really fallen out with him off from that. Menno has eventually fallen out with him for that as well, even though Menno didn't want to believe it to begin with. But And essentially after that study, this Jacob Wilson guy has gone and released a lot of books, made a lot of money through seminars, got himself a nice tan, and he's now like a keto celebrity superstar. So there's two reasons. Like the research is generally poorly done and that's definitely messed up. You know, like that, that guy's like selling keto supplements and which are obvious crap. So yeah, I, and Fung basically adheres to that model of, of, you know, of not only uh, diet, but also of advertising. A lot of his science is on based on very, very sketchy things. And if we look at the studies by, and this is going off on the right tangent here, but if we look at the uh, metabolic ward studies done by Kevin Hall, um, they were done. Now, these are really great. I should explain to the audience what metabolic ward studies are. So basically, the, the problem, as I explained about it, was that if you just ask people after the fact with questionnaires, 
and you say to them, look, hey, you know, what did you eat? All that kind of stuff. There's lots of misreporting. Now, you put people in a metabolic ward, it costs a lot of money to do that because you're basically housing them and feeding them. Metabolic ward is a closed off area where they live in your premises, in your laboratory, and you measure everything they do, all their activity, everything they eat. You even count their leftovers and you weigh them out and do you subtract that against, you know, so everything is set. Now, Kevin Hall did a series of studies which were very well funded, very well done in metabolic wards. And the end result of one of the studies was the actual weight loss between the different diets was the same. Okay. So assuming the same deficit, the actual weight loss was exactly the same. There was no difference between low carb or low fat diets. Now, here's an interesting twist to that. <laughs> this one, I'm not sure how people want to take this, but there was, there was no end change in the weight loss, but the low carb group actually had a higher energy expenditure. Now, again, that's a topic for a different day, I think, or maybe we'll talk about that later, but that's unusual because um, they had a higher energy expenditure. So resting energy expenditure was higher, or just, I think they just called it just energy expenditure. EE was higher, but weight loss was the same. So there's some kind of weird me mechanism going on there where the metabolism is higher or the expenditure is higher, but it's not translating into the same rate of weight loss. Perhaps the body's adjusting, I don't know. So anyway... Yes, uh, Fung um, is full of shit. And also, you mentioned snake diet last time. Do you want to just like, because we never got around to talking about it. I was listening back to the part one. What did you find out about snake diet? Because I, I like, um, Cole, was it? Cole? Cole Robinson. Um, so I, I, I have come across his channel in the past and I, I followed a few of his videos. Um, so I don't know like what you've uh, come across on his channel. But um, there are some things that, like, I like about what he kind of promotes because he does promote, like, you know, being active throughout the day. And yeah. he kind of he kind of makes this joke about being like Michael Myers, where he's like, look at Michael Myers. He doesn't stop moving. He's always walking. He's, he's always chasing down his victims. Like, he tries yeah. to... Okay. He, he, he's, he's, he's funny in that way, okay. where he's like, you know, just just be, be more active, um, which I agree with. Like, step counts, you, you could call it... Um, but yeah, like from the nutritional side, um, what I would say is he obviously promotes the snake diet, which, which means you, you're eating in one massive meal, which is how a snake eats. And that's the way he, he's got the name, I think. Okay, okay. Um, so yeah, so that's, um, that's kind of what I've taken away from his channel. He does prom promote the fasting with the electrolyte drink as, as well, I believe, uh, but I could be wrong on that. Yeah, he does. Um, well, he, snake, yeah, snake juice. So he promotes, like, that, that's what I've seen from him. Yeah. Um, I agree with, like, the activity, so being more active. So he's getting people to be more active throughout the day. Um, with the eating, obviously, the nutritional side, I guess that's his, like, his kind of thing, where he wants people to kind of practice fasting and then probably, because he, he does say, um, I think, if I remember right, like having a, a massive meal like throughout the week um and then continuing the fast i think that's the way he kind of um explains it but i could be wrong yeah um he he, he made a video about um eating mcdonald's which was similar to jordan siat i know that there's some stuff that about siat that you, you don't like um but these two have made videos about eating mcdonald's and still losing weight right. um take it for what you want but watch they, they are interesting, um, I would say, and entertaining videos of how they've documented it. But I think um, on that point, 
they're promoting the calories in versus calories out um, kind of approach, but they're not really touching on how to set up your macros um, and I, I, how I to, you know, choose your macros wisely. So that's um, just like some of my thoughts on that. Um, but let me know what you think, Mike. I, I don't think he does. In terms of what? I don't think he does do the carries in versus carries out thing. I think Cole kind of rejects carries in versus carries out. I'll be honest, I don't know much about him. I didn't read his book or if he's got a book, I don't know. Um, I, I thought I would go straight for the the kingpin uh, fung because that seems to be who everyone discusses. And I read I read that book and I was yeah as I say highly disappointed. It was it was all very biased. The, the thing about research is if you present it in a certain way, um, it can come across very convincing. And people go, hey, he's a doctor, he knows studies, he's saying this, and then boom. Do you know? I'm um, just quickly on the point previously made before before this. You know this like um this trend of making stuff sexy, like keto sounds sexy, um, yeah. low carb sounds sexy. Yeah. And it's like this like cultish behavior. Yes. And I think like the psychological aspect of that people respond to, it's like, oh, so what are you doing today? Oh, I'm making like this bread, but it's not bread. It's made out of almond flour and it's not carbs. It's like people love that. And whether people want to admit it or not, they, they are attracted to that. So that point about, you know, these trends in diets and saying that my diet's the best, I think that has a massive part to play, like just making it more attractive and making it sound more sexy. So like with my video, <laughs> I don't know if, you, if you've noticed in the title, I put my low carb approach, um, my diet secrets revealed. And it's, it's like, really that's, what, that's what kind of draws people in. Yeah. So is. yeah, just, uh, just a point on that, yeah. No, I, 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 think that's, I think that's a really good point. Um, I'll tell you what I've noticed as well is, you know, if you look at a guy like Eric Helms, you look at the diet advice he puts out, it's very bland, okay? And you look at the type of people who listen to him, they tend to be fairly well-structured. Like, if you look at people who go towards Fung and coal, that kind of stuff, they tend to be a little bit unhinged. I mean, if you, uh, if you get into conversations with them online, don't. I don't recommend it. But, like, they're really feverish about what they believe is to be true like there's no actual discussing there's a, for a brief period of time i i last year i spent some time on the fasting subreddits it was the worst waste of our time ever right and i was talking to people and uh, they just, it was awful and they, they just had no argument whatsoever it was just like yeah read the book and i was like yeah but this isn't true it's like yeah but i'm not gonna believe you because fung is a doctor it's like oh just shoot me already but it's the same with you, you see that you know you put you touched on the point there about like people wanting to belong and it's the same if you look at bodybuilders in the uk everybody and this is for any of you fuckers who are listening right every bodybuilder in the uk has got the jp oversized hoodie he's got the tights on he's got about a billion bands who's probably nicked from his missus and like her yoga bands and probably taking to the gym to set up set him up around his ass he's doing romanian deadlifts um, he's talking about the process and like <laughs> it's just cringe it's so cringe and, and you know uh, it's the same thing people like to belong and it might be complete bs but like i know a guy who is well into his this is going off a real tangent here but he's well into his high intensity training he loves his two-set approach hasn't grown for shit in like three years he looks exactly the fucking same he's gotten stronger mainly because his training has just, he just learned to cheat more weight up. And my point is this, right? You could say to him, look, dude, your training's not working. He's like, well, I'm getting stronger. He's like, yeah, your training's not working. Yeah, but like, you know, I'm eating more. Yeah, but your training's not working. Yeah, but I'm a little bit leaner. It's like, yeah, but, but the bottom line, he's like, yeah, but I like what I do. It's like, you've got to draw the line somewhere. 
somewhere the, the results have got to reflect the method. Like if you're saying your method's fantastic, your results have got to reflect that. That's, my, that's always been my shit test. Like that's always been my shit test. Like, okay, Faz, you could talk a good game, but are you getting results? And this is why I say with, with coaching, the only thing that matters is getting the results is safely, you know, of course. But it's like, so what I would mean, I've said it to him lots of times, but he doesn't, he doesn't listen because he's just fucking nuts. But he's an example of a guy who's so completely into what he's doing, he's lost sight of the woods for the trees. The, the end result is always got to be progress. Are you progressing? If you're not, then all the self-talk. It's like, for example, with you, you and I, Sunil, had we not actually got shredded, right? All of my advice, all of your ingenuity at putting together good meals, all of our work together would have been bullshit. I mean, you know, but you lost 66 pounds. So, see, so you've, you've taught me to fish. You've not given me a fish. It's like, that's the way that I've heard it yeah. by yourself and some other people. Yeah. Um, and, and I've actually given you a fish. People might think, like, you're telling... Yeah, it's like it's like um, pe- people might think like with coaching, you're being told exactly what to do every second, every minute. Um, but that's not the case. It's like you're given principles and you work with those principles. And it's yeah, that's the best way I, I can explain it. So like like what you said there about getting shredded and I, I did it in my kind of own way. Um, but there was there was obviously the, the structure given by by itself. And I, and I work with that. And I made it my own. So, yeah, um, just, just to talk I on think that. Like going to, with regards to the, the shit checking point, I mean, if, um, if Ben's listening, Ben will know what I mean by this. Ben is one of my football clients. Like, we do a test after ed- the end of every block. And Ben, to put it into perspective, Ben was, was brought up by a football team like two leagues higher than where he was previously playing for. And he's, he's almost uh, basically a professional footballer now at this stage. Like, if he, if he gets promoted next season, I think, and maybe the season after that, or if he gets bought up, whatever, he'll be Ilya Pro, which is amazing, considering the way he was playing out before. Now, we would, so that's the bottom line result. And what we did was every block, we would do a test. And so we know we're moving in the right direction. And I think that's the bottom line. It's like, unless, otherwise, if you're not checking, shit checking yourself, or like have methods in place to say, am I doing it right? Then you can lead your clients so astray because like you can just talk a good game they've hired you so they're monetarily involved but if you're not actually shit checking yourself like is my all my methods working then or you know and, and th- that, that has to be sort of objective measures so with yours it was very simple it was like body fat loss you know and, and are you healthy and you're you're okay um with ben it's like after the, you know every block we are checking like, have we made improvements we use, a, a, we use a random objective marker of improvement, how we made improvements. So that's how we're able to continue testing. Otherwise, you're just BSing yourself. And like, ultimately, you can make some money that way because, you know, people will listen to you, blah, 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 but you're, you're never going to have a lasting business. You're never going to actually get better. So going back to this guy who loves his high intensity training, like, I don't know how the fuck he gets clients because he's, he's young, like in the grand scheme of things, he's like 30-ish, you know, so he's got plenty of room for gains. But and he's also on the source as well. He's also on the swazul, um, but he's not getting results. So, like, dude, if you're on if you're on the source, um, if you're having mama's meatballs, and at the same time you're not getting results, like, what the fuck is going on? So, I don't know why people pay him, but they do. They they freaking love it. So, anyway, that was a massive tangent on um, what we the, the original sort of tangent on this was um, a cult 
cult behavior. And charismatic leaders of cults like Fung, like Cole, who draw people in, but the bottom line is results. Like if you're getting results, then that's cool. And results have got to encompass uh, physical health, mental health, and the whole holistic thing. And like to your point as well, um, oftentimes that's not glamorous, it's not sexy. It just because those types of people who are pushing that aren't really in it for the glamour and the sex appeal. Um, they're just in it for um, the results. Like, like Eric Helms is the guy in the industry I very much respect who does that, and Men Hensman as well. They do things in a very flat way, which I like. Yeah. But anyway, there we go. Yeah, I think the, I think where we went off from this was you, you're talking about the research um, in terms of the very low calorie diets. But yeah, um, I, I think on one of your previous podcasts that I listened to, um, you were talking about how to get a client motivated. So maybe like, you know, introducing like carb cycling and it's like, oh, this like novelty of something new is like um, helping them adhere to the program or the diet. So I can understand that as well. Um, but yeah, just to touch on that um, point as well, just with that comment. Right, let's let's go back to this because people would have forgotten the whole Sean Nalajuan point. Um, so my, I wanted to start <laughs> by saying that, so just to re, re, reiterate that point very quickly in one sentence, start off by saying there are a lot of people in the industry who, now this Sean guy has done this as well, where they're positioning themselves as the way to do things and for everything else to be a failure, like, you know, Fung does the same thing, keto diets, keto zealots are the same thing, fasting zealots are the same thing. Um, but they're juxtapositioning themselves in that, but all diets have a notorious failure rate. So that's no argument. Like, because Fung's position is, again, regular diets don't work, do my diet. It's like, <laughs> all, all diets don't fucking work, dude. Like, so anyway, now, now we go on to the discussion of you can't talk shit about very low calorie diets because very low calorie diets are kind of like that badass kid in the playground who is really quiet and has been around for ages. Um, and is by this time also because he's been very low calorie dieting, he's quite undernourished, but he's, <laughs> he's, um, he's also got a very good backing. Like he knows, he knows his shit. So this is a, um, systematic review of evidence on the use of very low calorie diets in people with diabetes. Now, the bit about people with diabetes, ignore that. That's not relevant um, to the what I'm about to say. So the outcome is basically saying this. Um, da -da -da. Yeah, review demonstrated that very low calorie diets um, was associated with significant weight loss, reduction in blood glucose profile, and improvement in cardiovascular risk profile, blah, blah, blah. Studies, uh, da -da -da. one of these are saying, uh, yes. Actually, this is, yeah, this one here. Um, and this is saying, but uh, sorry, just finding this. I should have highlighted this prior. Basically, anyway, I'll just summarize it. It's saying that very low calorie diets not only lead to significant weight loss, but they also lead to better outcomes in the long term. So if we go back to the first study that I looked at, which was long-term weight loss maintenance, the issue was people weren't holding on to these losses in the long term. Whereas very low calorie, so what we should be prioritizing in the research is diets and methodology which allow us to actually hold on to that weight gain, weight loss in the long term. So therefore, if very low calorie diets are improving outcome in the long term, you can't poo-poo them you, because they're actually markedly better than other types of diets in certain scenarios. So you can't just say, you can't just poo-poo them. You can't go around poo-pooing them. They've got this solid research back in this. And for anyone who doubts what I'm saying, 
you know, because we'll, we'll address that about crash diets later. But for anyone that's what I'm saying, just go ahead and Google search VLCD long-term fat loss outcomes or just VLCD fat loss on like PubMed or whatever, you know, or like just type in VLCD long-term fat loss study. There are a ton of studies literally right the way back from this decade to last decade to last decade, going right the way back to the 1970s is ones that I've seen. So you can't just turn around and he's making the same mistake as a lot of these diet gurus who are saying, um, don't overly restrict, all diets fail. Don't eat carbs, all diets fail. Um, and this guy's now saying, yeah, don't be flexible, all diets fail. It's bullshit. It's absolute bullshit. So two things to begin with. One, all diets fail anyway, regardless, Sean. And two, you can't touch very low calorie diets because the research is very solid on that. So where are you getting it from? If it's just your opinion, well, it's fair enough, but your opinion is shit. Uh, I was listening to uh, Abel recently. Yeah. And to, to, just from what you said, um, it's kind of got me thinking um, about, is it the actual diet that's the problem or is it coming out of the diet? So, you know, like the, the rebound, if you want to call it, or the, the recovery. If, if you say to someone, carbs, carbs are the problem, right? go on this diet, remove carbs. What happens when the diet's over? Yeah. Like, what is that person gonna come out of the diet and do? They're gonna avoid carbs. And then that relationship that you, you've built up uh, with them on that approach could potentially harm them. And then that's where the, the, the regain in weight can come back because they might just like end up binging on carbs or it's like that, it's like, it's like that mindset and that psychological approach, I think where people might fail. Um, so I, I don't know if that, if that makes sense with what you just, what, with what you just said. Is, yeah, so from what, what I'm thinking about is. I think, I think yeah. in regards to that, what I would say. Is it the diet? That we, there are people out there who have made uh, low carb work long-term. Like I'm, I'm less certain about people who have made keto work long-term, but like, you know, low carb, the way that you're eating currently. Um, you can imagine there are good people out there who don't have the activity levels you do and who don't have the muscle building goals you do. Maybe, you know, like Debbie, the housewife from Birmingham. I don't know. Um, like, you know, just trying to pick an example of someone out there. And um, like maybe she'll more long-term want to eat like salads and, and beef and, and chicken and all that kind of stuff. And maybe wouldn't mess with um, carbs. But then you think that, I don't know. I, I tend to think that, also, another thing that we know with long-term successes of diets is there has to be a certain degree of flexibility involved. So all I'd say on that point is what's sustainable for one person might look unusual. So it may well be a low-carb yeah. approach. You know, it may well be, because if that's good for you, then that's okay. So I guess with that, again, it's looking at the, you're looking at the bottom line, looking at the outcome. It's kind of back to my conversation. You're looking at the outcome. Yeah, we can, we can sit here and say, yeah, low-carb approach might lead to binging afterwards. But also, I think we've got to be careful on that. Because a lot of, for a lot of people, what's normal and what allows them to hold a good body composition long-term and hold it without going crazy, it may well look different, you know? And that's just something we've got to deal with. Like we can't sit and go, you know, everyone's going to binge coming out of a keto diet or a low-carb diet. We can say that there might be an increased probability, but, you know, there are people out there who are long-term keto. I'll, I'll tell you an example. There's a guy out there who goes by the name of Keto Gains, and he's pretty jacked. He's pretty jacked. You should look him up. He's, he's, got, he's got like a subreddit on YouTube. And he's been on ketosis for like a decade or something like that. And like literally all the way through. And he's yoked, like he's big. 
uh, natural guy as well, you know. So there are people out there who are doing it. Um, that and that in itself is not a good argument to say do it. But my argument is simply that we can't define what normal is. Normal is different for a lot of people. That that's all I'd say on that. And I think again, it's defined by results. If you if your approach allows you to um, to hold on to a composition while not going crazy, that's your normal. It's cool. Yeah, so like on that point, um, what I would say is like, I'm not against carbs or anything, but like selecting certain like carbohydrates, I think like for myself just works better um, with my appetite and my hunger. Um, but like what I've experienced in the past before is like you, you're, you're being told that this approach is like this magic approach and that it's the only way it's the it's the reason why you're why you're not getting results yes. and yeah. that kind of in turn plays with your mindset where it's like i have to do i have to do this forever now because this is the only thing that's going to work for me you and know, you know what that's where i'm coming from yeah. on that. Uh, what do you think about this right what do you think about this like the the fattiness, the fattiness of the diet, like the, the, if a diet's on a fad scale, let's say, right? The, the, the higher the, the scale, like, the fattishness of a diet might be dictated by restrictions rather than what you can eat. So if you look at your, your diet videos, you've got a very healthy perspective of things. You talk about what you are eating. You don't sit there going like, today I'm like cutting carbs and doing this. You sit there going, I'm having a lot of salad. You know what I mean? What do you think about that? No. 100% agree with that so that's just clicked with me like the way you put it um I find that a lot more healthier so what you just said I think people should just take like a massive note on on that point because that's the way I look at stuff and that, I think I think that's the way people should look at stuff as well yeah. um what can you instead, instead of go on. Go on. No, no, I, I think I put this in an Instagram post where um, I kind of opened it up with, instead of approaching a diet, you know, thinking I have to eat less, um, why not approach it with what can I eat like a lot of? Yes. I think that's that kind of, and and what you said just just then like resonated with me. So yeah, that, that, that's I completely, exactly completely it, yeah. agree with that. that. That's exactly it. So like if you look at all the sort of approaches which you seem are quite fatty, you like your doctor, your doctor Fung's. I don't know if he's a doctor or not. Um, you like your doctor Fung's, and um, his is all like, don't eat carbs, don't do insulin. Um, it's only when you scratch the surface a lot more where he's got a whole website about what you can eat, and I think that is a bit more helpful. Um, but I think this whole, like, yeah, don't don't restrict yourself, don't eat. I don't know. I just I find it very faddish, and I don't think people even almost realize they're being faddish because literally someone will sit there. And their entire Instagram feed will be about flexible dieting. But it's not talking about the benefits of flexible dieting. It's talking about the negatives of restricting yourself. And as we've seen, the research just doesn't, doesn't fucking support that, Bubba. It's like, you know, you're not, you, 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 by all means, talk about why your approach is better and why your approach is different and why your approach works for you and what the positives are. But positioning yourself rather than as to how my approach is good because of these factors like protein is satiating vegetables are great is fantastic but then juxtapositioning yourself to say well my position is great because carbs suck like sorry that's not the fucking way because some of the guys sitting over there going well actually i like carbs i like low fat and your approach sucks and they're both just as bad as each other 
Or it could be one person saying, you got to be flexible in your diet because restriction is bad. The other person's going, well, actually, restriction is what helps me diet. So that <laughs> is faddishness. And the funny thing is, and this goes back to last week, those people who diet flexibly, they don't see that. They see themselves as this, this like shining light of the diet industry. It's like, fuck you, dude. It's like, you know, you, you're just as bad <laughs> as the rest of the guys. And I hate that. I hate it. And they don't see it. They don't see it. They don't, and, you know, it's the same with the restrictive guys. You know, they don't see it either. But man, there you go. That's my rant. Anyway, right. So we were talking back to Sean. I bet Sean, if he's, uh, there's no way that Sean Nalawang is actually listening to this, but I want to finish rinsing him at this point. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> we've said so far, just to summarize, that long-term weight loss outcomes are awful. We've said that very low-calorie diet research is very, very positive for long-term outcomes. Now, I just want to give you the example of uh, La McDonald. La McDonald is also a proponent of the, well, he's, he somewhat thinks a lot like me. Well, I don't know. Maybe that's arrogant to say. Maybe I should say I think like him. But basically that what's normal and what works for the individual may well look very different. And that's okay. But he's acknowledged and he's, he's very hot on all the research. And he's acknowledged that very low calorie diets are highly beneficial. They've got a lot of research behind them. And for certain populations, for certain people, if they suit you, they can really do well with long-term outcomes. And long-term outcomes, like, like you were saying earlier, it's not the getting the weight off, it's the keeping it off. That's the, that's the problem. You know, it's the how you transition out of the diet. And, and again, how and that could be for the next year or the next five years. So the example of La McDonald, who's perhaps I would say probably the most synonymous in the fitness industry with diet. I mean, Lyle's been around. My brother did his ketogenic diet um, 23 years ago. That's how old school Lyle is, right? You know, my brother got absolutely shredded on his ketogenic diet um, 23 years ago, you know? And then if we also look at Martin McDonald, Martin McDonald is another diet guru, uh, not related to Lyle McDonald, weirdly enough. Both diet gurus the same thing. What's that about? Um, Martin's been around for ages. He's also a very big proponent of very low-calorie diets, strict diets. And I love he's got a term that he uses and he calls, what does he call them? Well-meaning idiots. He calls people like this Sean guy, well-meaning idiot, in that he's saying, he's saying all this stuff about um, don't do crash diets, but there's no research behind it to back it up. There's nothing there. And he could make all these claims, which he's saying are applicable to everyone. Well, the, the assumption is they're applicable to everyone, like everyone should try this, blah, blah, blah. Uh, or you're going to fail if you do a crash diet. And actually, it does not back to my research. So what he's saying is just absolute crap. So two major people in the diet industry there who are who back up who back that up in terms of what we're what we're talking about yeah, yeah like i like to think about it <clears throat> like before i give information i i like to what's the word pre pre preface or pre preface what's that word preface yeah sorry yeah so i like to before i present information i like to say you know do this checklist to see if this applies to you yeah. so like for instance like you've got person a and you've got person b person a has a really large appetite and they are not happy with their diet person b like struggles to get food down and their appetite's very low so am i going to go to person b and say eat high volume foods you know fill, fill up your stomach as much as you can maybe not like and the person that's struggling with their appetite i'm not going to tell them go and go and um, eat rice and oats, you know, and avoid vegetables because that's not going to work for them. So it's kind of like when you present information, kind of give the, 
the rationale behind it of why you're doing it. So like with my video, I opened it like saying carbs are not evil. This is the reason why I'm approaching this type of eating. Like it's, it's just trying to present it and say why you're doing it. Give them, give them like, a, like a checklist to work off to see if this applies to them and then do what you want with that information. Um, I love that video. It's, by it's, the way. It's I harder. It I got on here. Like, if you're if you're listening to this, go check out Sunil's video on that because it's a really good video on on what to eat, not like don't eat this shit. It's like here's what you should. eat. It's a very very good video. I like that a lot. Yeah, I I find it hard to get people to execute like on what I try and show them. I find like the information is absorbed and it's taken in, but it's like getting them to execute it. It's very difficult. And I'm trying to figure out how do you get that person to take action and start using the advice? Uh, it's like, that's what I'm trying to work around at the minute. I'm trying to, I'm yeah. trying to understand and think, why, why are you not doing it? Like, you, you know that it's there. Yeah. You know that it works, but just trying to get that person to, it's, yeah, that's what I'm kind of working it's, around at the minute. It's, it's a tough one. Um, I'm going to, we're going to move on to the next point. And um, what I wanted to talk a bit about was why people believe that very low calorie diets don't work. And I want to look at possible mechanisms behind that. And I've written down three. Um, firstly, I want to look at the effect of water, water loss and water retention. So I think water, it plays a major head up with people when it comes to low calorie diets because um, it goes both ways. So firstly, when they crash diet, they lose a ton of water. So like, if you're going from somebody who's been eating loads during the Christmas period and they do the typical January crash diet, they could literally lose like a stone of just weight within two or three weeks, like literally five pounds a week, 14, 15 pounds within the third week. You go, great, hit my goal, I'm done. See you later, folks. <laughs> and then 1st of February, they put it all back on again. It's like, or maybe like, you know, put on like 12 pounds or whatever. Like, but so basically they've not really moved the needle at all. And they're like, oh God, I feel terrible. I feel so bloated. If you look at like, say, larger men and women like 14 10 pounds of bloat is like that's very easy to do and then it's like okay the diet worked because i lost loads of weight i'm back on my bullshit so now i put all the weight back on again it's like you didn't do anything you know you just starved yourself for like a period of three weeks and you got some results but you got like, you probably lost a bit of fat but you lost a shit ton of water great that and then because you put it all back on again doesn't mean that and maybe they put it all back on and more. It doesn't mean that cash diets don't work. It means that you're fucking stupid. Like, you know, you, you had no patience. So I think it goes both ways. There's that, but I'll also say that the, the addition of water, yeah, well, like I said, it goes both ways. It goes down, on the way down and on the way up. And I think that masks what people see. And in short term, the beginning of a diet, like two or three weeks, first two or three weeks, as you know, you can just lose a ton and regain a ton. You've got to just ignore the first two weeks of dieting, really. Uh, especially coming from a very heavy weight. So I think that's the first reason why people think very low calorie diets or crash diets don't work. That's the first thing I'd say. Yeah, like um, from my own experience, I've experienced that where you just drop kgs like like like, like it's nothing yeah. in the in the um, initial part. Um, and just from working with people when they experience that, they're very motivated. They're very happy to see that. And then once stuff starts to slow down, that's when they get frustrated. And it's kind of like reassuring them, like, don't, don't stress out about this. Uh, um, so I think, yeah, water is, um, 
it's very uh it, it, it can yeah it's got that double-edged sword to it so um i think yeah that's just some, something that i've experienced the way that i reassure them is i i tell them from the start what to expect like i'll say look to the beginning it's like dude this this weight gain people get really excited like i've got a guy doing very low calorie diet at the moment and uh he's he's down, he's lost probably 15 pounds already it's been like a couple of weeks and he's constantly messaging me saying you know this is amazing i like i'm not telling him it's not you know i'm not gonna sit there and burst his bubble because like i'm like yes yeah, it's great but i'm also at the same time not um not overly blowing the whole so not celebrating it right now like you'll see my, my posts are all about the end result, you know, but like, so I think you see a, a lot of diet coaches. When I see diet coaches online who go, here's the results after two weeks, I just think, dickhead, you don't know anything. And, and it goes back to what we were saying at the beginning. It's like they're fooling themselves. They don't have the checks in place. So, yeah, I think the way that I solve that is I'm, I tell people about the process from the beginning because I know what to expect. I'm like, you are going to lose a ton of water in the first week or two. And that's great. And I'm not, the thing is, I'm not going to sit there and tell them flatly, look, this is all water, because like you said, they get motivated. It's just that I'm not going to plaster that all over Instagram as my client has been dieting for two weeks and has lost five kilos because it's nothing to be proud of at that stage, you know? It's not a celebratory post at that point. It's like, okay, let's see what happens after six weeks and let's go. And then if after six weeks, they've lost 10 kilos, which is pretty typical. I find that quite normal with my guys. Six, six weeks, about 10 kilos. Then great, you know, then that's actual substantial weight loss. So you can't, you can't just hide that with water and no one's putting on 10 kilos of water. Um, yeah. So that's, that's the, how I get around that. And I'd say on the next point, I suppose the next point is kind of, I've written it down, but it, I think I've covered it already is they regain a lot of weight from crash dieting because the reality is they've not actually lost that much fat. And I, I find like, once like you, for example, you're not going to accidentally wake up tomorrow, hundred kilos again, like it's, like it's gone and it took a long time to get it off and it's gone. Like it's not coming back. So I think when people have this sort of, they're almost like in fear that they're going to wake up tomorrow like, shit, I'm going to regain 10 pounds because they've not lost anything. They've just lost some water. And I think you've got to, as a coach, you've got to be the, the voice of reason there. You've got to be the, um, you've got to be that voice of reason that, and, and temporary expectations say, look, this is great. We're on the right track because we're doing the right things, but we're not on the right track because we've lost 10 pounds in three weeks. That is just a consequence of doing the right things. And doing the right things is what's to be celebrated, not this like temporary inflation of, of water loss. The fact that you stuck to your diet, the fact that you executed everything I said correctly, the fact that you're walking around with less of an appetite, not more, and that you're, 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 you're on the road, like that's great, but I'm not going to plaster all over Instagram your first three weeks of results simply because it doesn't mean that much just yet. Yeah, um, <clears throat> on that point, um, falling in love with the process is something that I really relate to and I, I love to practice uh, rather than the end result. Like finding pleasure in the, the journey and the process is um, something that I very much enjoy. Um, and I try and learn from that every time I go through like a dieting phase or maintenance phase. And I carry that um, experience and those um, successes into my next phases so um like, like what you said there i think about um finding like pleasure in the in the little things and if you're doing everything you should be you shouldn't really be worried about what's going on yes. um yes it, it, it's it's hard to say and it's hard to kind of um tell people that 
because they want those kind of instant you know results sometimes but if you're doing everything you should be doing um i don't think you should be, you should be worried because you're not you're not giving yourself an excuse to not get results so yeah that's just a bit on that i think this goes back to your point about um the sex appeal of of like diet coaches who sell sex appeal of diets because you're there and so am i saying okay great this is fantastic it's a good good couple of weeks but the reality is a lot of it's going to be water so you're you're whereas let's say you and i were unscrupulous coaches who were just after people's money and we're just looking to like you know um get just just basically sell the glamour of it we're like yeah this is amazing three weeks you lost 10 pounds you are great but i'm a fucking genius and like let's put this on instagram straight away and you look no different you know like that that's what an unscrupulous coach should do but i think if you if you are more interested in what are factual results you don't get excited about those then yeah yeah like you say you know let let your client get excited of course like they're going to be loving it anyway but at least and there's no need to poop on their parade but at the same time you know as i say it's not just about overdoing it all right so the next and final point i'd say on on the, the dangers of very low calorie diets is that most people do them in a really bad way so most people when they crash diet they just eat what they want to eat but in very 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 small amounts um, and also they don't train so the first thing is like okay you know what i'm going to do like my usual diet is just coffee um donuts and and bad intentions and what i'm going to do is rather than having 4000 calories worth of coffee donuts and bad intentions i'm going to have 500 calories worth of coffee donuts and bad intentions and that just results in possibly even more muscle loss, you know, and then no resistance training. So basically, okay, congratulations. You did drop 14 pounds in three weeks of which exactly three pounds were muscle. Then you put it all back on. Congratulations. The net effect is uh, Linda from accounts. I don't know. Um, you've just burnt off three pounds of uh, very, very useful muscle tissue. Congratulations. And uh, well done. See you next time. <laughs> yeah like i i know by now like if someone's having the issues with the i don't know how to word this but if they're having issues and i ask them and i, and I probe them with questions and they're answering the questions and i'm getting these answers back and i know like if, if they change this then they will their experience will be drastically different yeah um from your experience, my experience, um, from uh, people that I worked with that that put that uh, plan into action and they execute, um, I've found like it works. But the moment like they, they aren't executing and putting that into action, and they're answering these questions that I asked them, you know, uh, back with like these typical answers that I I kind of see where these issues arise then it's like, all right, I know why this is occurring. I know why you're experiencing this. But like to my previous point, how do I get that person to execute? It's just, that's the problem that I'm finding, yeah. yeah. But like on, on that point of what you said, the 500 calories of donuts versus 500 calories of salad is very different. So, Yeah, no, totally. I, I think just to wrap this bit up, because I wanted to finish this section on Sean, and, and what Sean represents in the diet industry is let's just briefly defend very low calorie diets and what are some of the benefits that people might see. And we talked a bit about it last week. So very, very briefly, I think I just want to say like in the research, firstly, it shows you get results a lot faster. 
So basically, you all the good results a lot faster. So all the, the same benefits you would get with caloric restriction as you get quick fat loss, um, also quick weight loss initial, but that's true for every diet. Quick fat loss, um, greater improvements in metabolic markers like cardiovascular markers, risk factors, all that kind of stuff. Um, and in my experience and experience of my clients, generally better adherence. And this is the unusual thing that at a certain break point, you just drop your appetite. Now, this is not true for everyone, but it's certainly been true for, I would say, 99% of the people that I've worked with. And you've got to bear in mind my audience. A lot of my clients are um, fat loss clients, particularly this last year since we've been in lockdown. Um, I mean, you just look on my page, like the amount of results consistently week in, week out. And a lot of those have been with very low calorie diets because it switches off your appetite. And I always say to people like, it's a powerful tool to be able to go into a diet and wake up and go into your day with appetite under control. So yes, we could be more flexible, which, but then we would spike your appetite. So we factor in the pros and cons. Allow yourself to be more flexible and deal with the hunger or restrict yourself and benefit from the lack of hunger. You know, and this is why I'm always upfront about that. And so to summarize, that's why I... <laughs> <laughs> to summarize, that's an hour of why I think Sean Nalawang is full of shit. That's uh, is basically it. <laughs> no, 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 I was just seriously. Well, but to summarize, I just want to finish off by saying, like, I think, I think Sean's like, uh, he's obviously trying to help people. But what I would say is, in this instance, he's made the same mistake that puts him right alongside the fungs and the coals and all those and the, the, all the extreme sort of like the, the same people we were talking about last week puts them in that camp of people who say that everything else is bad or x y and z is bad because people fail diets or because you're going to get an eating disorder or because whatever outcome you're going to set yourself on fire i don't know like whatever outcome it is like something bad's going to happen because diet or you know because you do this diet rather than look at a more holistic picture I look at a more mature view and say, actually, tons of approaches work. So let's not focus on X, Y, and Z. Let's not throw stones and say, well, your approach doesn't work for this reason. There's no perfect approach. So yeah, that's right. All you flexible dieters who are listening, which is probably five people, like, just yeah, understand if it works for you, cool, man. Like, I'm happy for you. I'm glad you found something that's worked for you. And that's great. But it might not work for somebody else. Um, and just understand that the definition in my book, our book potentially, of a fad diet is one which is based upon restriction rather than based on what you can eat. That is some fad diet bullshit. It's like, okay, here's my diet. Don't eat for 24 hours a day. Rather than actually, here's my diet. We can benefit from some of the benefits of, we can some of the benefits of fasting, you know, and by, by having X, Y, and Z. But anyway, I'm getting off the point here. What I want to say is, um, just in summary, that's why I think Sean is full of shit on this point. Also, basically, he's putting he's he's not backed up by the research. What he's saying just isn't is, isn't true. It's just false, and uh, it puts him in the same camp of people like your fungs and your coals. So that's my conclusion on that. I'm going to keep it very short. I'm going to keep hammering this point home until people like until it gets through to people's heads. Three words, uh, no, right, four words. High protein, vegetables, and fruit. Like, that's that's just what I'm going to keep pushing and just keep getting across to people. Like, I, yeah, um, 
that's that's all that I have to say, really. Um, start practicing that and see what happens and get back to me with how you find that. But it's just, yeah, like that point I made about ex execute that. Just go out and execute it and see what happens um, with a high protein intake, getting your vegetables and getting your fruit. Like, I, I can't see anything wrong with that, that advice. And yeah, just to sum up that, yeah. I think, you know what? I think that's probably the basis of most successful diets. So I think if you start with that and it's a good, it's a good starting point. I don't know any diet which actually works, which would even very low calorie diets, which wouldn't allow you to have lots of protein, high vegetable intake and, and a varying amount of fruit intake, you know, depending on what fruit that is, but then that's the same for vegetables as well. And it's the same for protein, but that, that's your point. Just, yeah, it'll vary based on what the diet is, but yeah, the beginnings is, oops, door's gone. One second. Right. So I guess we should wrap up by talking about, um, your recent well your and my recent low-carb experiences so uh, what have you been doing so yeah like um i'm finally like i i, I found um over the past year obviously with my massive cut mini cut and then in basically every lockdown i'm kind of finding sil silver linings in terms of like how i approach my diet and my nutrition um so in this lockdown what i've kind of I'm one day in practicing it but I'm really happy at the minute uh, with what I'm doing and the reason is is because I'm practicing um, allowing myself to eat a lot more so what I mean by that is is I'm just I'm just going to kind of reiterate what I put in my video um, I'm choosing sources that you know work well with my appetite so if I was to like go and choose a carb source like for example like oats or rice for, for me personally like that does not do a lot for my appetite and my hunger. Yeah. And it, it leaves me like unhappy, like throughout the day because I'm not really satisfied or sat satiated. So how I work around that is by just eating, like I, I always put this in my posts, but like pounds of vegetables and like, that's what works for me. Yeah. That's what, that's what like leaves me satisfied. That's what leaves me like happy. And I know that now, like, because I've, I've tried the, you know, let me try like the bro oatmeal because it's healthy um, and, and the rice and the, and the rice cakes. But I found like, you know, gram for gram, the vegetables and the fruit and the leafy greens do a lot more for me rather than eating oats because oats are healthy, if that makes sense. Dude. I've got nothing against oats or rice or anything. Yeah, it totally makes just, sense. Just, just for me personally. Yeah, like my my appetite um is quite, quite big i would say and i've mentioned this before where i do not have a problem pushing food yes. i can push a lot of food I, I i believe but for someone that's like struggling to push food and their appetite's not big then maybe yeah oats and rice would work well for you but for me personally like my checklist it does not work well for me um and that's why i have to eat the vegetables and the fruit just to be happier with myself and I mean, if i make the if the, i make the yeah the, the oatmeal the oatmeal thing is survivorship bias you know it's like it's known as bodybuilding food because generally all pro bodybuilders are going to be guys who have a perfect metabolism for gift for you know for that kind of stuff like so yeah they're going to want is they're going to want to have all that stuff it's probably not the best option for average joe 
Anyway, sorry, Karen. No, no, like, uh, I'd love to hear, like, your thoughts on this because, like, I've identified and I know now that I have to consume, like, a certain amount of vegetables and fruit um, in my diet. Um, if, I, if I don't do that, then I'm not happy. And I know that now, so I'm not going to do things that are going to make me unhappy. So, yeah, that's what I've kind of learned and figured out. Um, and I try to pick this up with other people as well. Like, are you eating a certain amount of vegetables? Like you've mentioned as well before uh, in our discussions. If you're not, then what's the harm in trying it and just seeing what happens yeah. rather than sticking to your current approach and being unhappy in that? So, you yeah, know, I just throw that over well, to you. I really like that point that you said just there. And I want to just hone in on that for a second is doing what makes you happy. I had a, I was watching a podcast with uh, Mena Henselman. I really like him. I, I think he's got a brilliant mind. He's, he identifies as being a hedonist. Hedonist is essentially a, a school of philosophy which says whatever you should do, you should do it for the pursuit of happiness. And that's all you should do. So he, he ascribes to a way of eating which allows him to hold the best body fat, body fat composition for him. He says really lean year round. And that approach is essentially low carb, which is what you're describing, which is meats, vegetables, fruits. And that's all he eats for the most part year round, unless he wants to really cut down and getting down to like shredded contest shape for him is easy. He just goes keto because he, he doesn't have time to do a bunch of cardio. He doesn't actually train that much. I think maybe he does like full body workouts, you know, varying times a week. But the point is, he's not like insanely active and he doesn't want to be. It would interfere with his lifestyle too much, but it wouldn't make him happy to do lots of cardio. So instead, year round, he holds this condition which allows him to be happy with himself by doing a low carb approach. But essentially, the way that he frames it is, I, you know, I just eat lots of vegetables because they keep me full. My carbohydrates come from vegetables mostly because they keep me full. Basically, everything you're saying, because he does it for the pursuit of happiness. And I think that's where people get this mixed up because they're like, well, you know what? I want a donut because a donut's going to make me happy. Or I want to eat what I like because eat what I like is going to make me happy. Like, is it though? <laughs> is it really? Like, you know, then why are we having this conversation if, if it is? Because it's obviously fucking not. So you're lying to yourself, you know? You're lying to yourself to justify having X, Y, and Z and not but not still not being happy with your body at the end of the day. So like there's that, there's that crosshairs. And what makes it worse is people will say to them, these flexible dieters, this is why I hate them so much. <laughs> I don't hate flexible dieting. I want to say I hate flexible dieting coaches for the most part because they'll feed into that. And they're like, well, you know what? You can have your this, you can have your pizza, you can have that. And you can still, you know, but you know, the trade-off is you're going to be hungry 24 hours a day, but they don't tell them that. And that's in the small print. Again, it's like, Oh, that's what annoys me so much. Um, but yeah, anyway, I just thought I thought it, it matched really well with what you were saying. So. No, no, I, I agree with that. And I, I'm talking about this from experience, so I've I've, I've gone through this. Um, it's all on online as well, so you, you can like literally see my dieting yeah. history online, yeah. um, and it's, it's there to see. So I'm not I'm not lying or anything. You know, have a look at what I was doing. Um, I was having the oatmeal, I was having, you know, the rice cakes. It worked, but like I'm finding that if I if I stick to vegetables and fruit, I'm a lot happier. Um, it doesn't mean that I'm not happy eating those other sources. Yes. It's just like this is what works well for Overall, me. So um yeah, I'm not, I'm not I'm not saying like don't eat oatmeal and rice. I'm saying yeah. if you're finding that, you know, those choices kind of upset you throughout the day and you're you're finding that you want to eat more maybe try the vegetables and fruit like and the high protein and see what happens. So 
I find people get stuck in this perpetual cycle where they're just stuck in the cycle and they can't get out of it. And they're just, they're just going, you know, in circles. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. That's what I would say on that. Yeah, I think that's the thing. That yeah, it's you. I think you know. Yeah, I mean that was a great summary. There's not much I could add to that. I'll, I'll, I'll just say what I've been doing is very similar. So, I think um, the way that I've dieted in the past, I have dieted with very low calorie diets, and what I've been wanting, what I've been experimenting with now is a diet which the problem I've had with those type of diets is I've tended because the calories have been so low, like. 1100, 1200 calories, because most of them from like lean proteins, high vegetables, all that kind of stuff. I've needed to have a refeed. So there's been a need to have like a refeed at the end of the week or um, like a cheat meal or both, all that kind of stuff. Now, I don't, this is going to sound really weird to people out there now, but I, I don't actually want cheat meals and refeeds at the moment. Um, so I've got to figure out, so high protein, great, non-negotiable. Um, high vegetables, great, non-negotiable. I still have about 800 grams of fibrous vegetables a day. So that's, that's a lot, you know? That's like 10, for the people that are listening at home, it's like 10 a day if you're in the UK. Um, so that's, that's non-negotiable for me. So then it's like, well, where do I add in the rest of my calories if I'm not going to have a cheat meal or a refeed of like, you know, however many calories per week? So, well, I can add them in, add them in via carbs or I can add them in, via fats now realistically speaking i can't eat much more fibrous vegetables during the course of the day because that will be a hell of a lot you know like yeah maybe starchy vegetables sure but so i've recently tried to add them in via fats and perhaps more protein so right now i'm on i'm on what i would still call a very low calorie diet so rather than a keto diet because i think a keto diet is defined by less than 50 grams and some days i'm going over i'm like maybe 70 grams but you know like whatever i guess it's virtually a keto diet so, but then I find it weird to talk about it being a keto diet. Keto diet is just like a word to say, this is the way I'm eating, but it's got so much stigma attached to it. Like, I don't even like to identify it as doing, as being on a keto diet because it's got a whole bunch of stigma attached. It sounds like a very extreme diet, but I guess all I want to say is like, I'm eating a lot of meat, just like anybody else, eating a lot of vegetables, all very good for me. I'm not putting like butter up in my coffee and stupid stuff like that or that's just fucking dumb you know, like no one should be doing that like that's just asking for trouble like i'm not saying you're gonna get a heart attack but that's just, it's asking for trouble so but yeah all i'm doing is basically choosing fattier cuts of meat because they're more tasty like who like, it's hard eating chicken all the time man you know it's not easy it's good if you've got a goal in mind like if you want if you want to lose x y and z to get down to a certain body fat well like i'm reasonably need lean now i'm not wanting that's the, the desperation to lose body fat is not there anymore and i, I need to find an approach which works for me long-term. And what Menno said recently really resonated with me. And he basically does that. So rather than this pulse, I, I like his approach a lot because he eschews pulsatility. And I'm actually leaning more towards that in my training at the boat, which is another conversation for another day. But I like the idea of routine because routine equals less decision fatigue. So I'm going to use one of your terms that you like to use, less decision fatigue. So... Whereas if I'm constantly cycling my volume of my training, and if I'm constantly having the ups and downs of um, cheat meals, refeeds, and all that kind of, there's a lot, there's a high degree of pulsatility. I'm never baseline normal. I'm always to the point where it's like I'm I'm working on something. You could even expand this out to like um, training. I mean, you could do an upper lower, upper lower. But what is what is the least 
psychologically disruptive and physiologically disruptive while still allowing you to grow? Well, full body workouts, which is kind of how men and men are does things. I really like that approach because you're, you're hitting everything with the, you're still having your volume across the week, but you're, you're doing it in a way which um, allows for the least amount of um, interference, um, you know, for any one body part, you know, if that makes sense. I'm not sure if it does. But um, anyway, that's not the main thing I want to talk about. It was just a diet. So I, I wanted to do away with the cheat meals. I wanted to do away with refeeds. I don't like the way I feel after them. They're fun while I'm doing them. Sure. Like who doesn't like having a cheat meal? But I just don't like the way I feel you know, after them. Yeah, exactly. Right. So I don't like how I feel the next morning. Um, I don't want to have to think about it in that way. Um, I'm starting to derive a lot more pleasure from just being just doing other things like spending time with loved ones, um, watching, you know, my favorite TV programs, playing video games, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like I've started to drive on my, my work as well. I don't want to always be driving pleasure from, from food. I'm not saying I can't as I'm like today's Sunday and um, last night was Saturday night. And had I wanted to have a cheat meal, I would have had one, but I didn't want to. So perhaps in a few weeks I will, and I will, and that's great. But, um, it's not a decision that I'm saying to myself, I'm never going to have a cheat meal again, or I'm never going to have a pizza again. I, I'll have it if I really want it. I just, right now, what, going back to your point again, what makes me happier is having that stability in my life and stability in my dietary schedule. So where have I added the calories back in? I've added them in via fats because I don't like the way that carbs make me feel. So the non-negotiables are all still there, like for any diet, high protein, high vegetables. But I, because I don't want to have the refeeds and achievements to top my calories up before I get too exhausted. I've added them in on via fats. And I found, so I've been in, I think I've been in ketosis for like a week. I don't think it'll, it takes me that long to get into ketosis because I've done so much fasting. So for me, I feel very much like I do when I'm fasting, except I don't feel the hunger. So fasting always makes me feel really like calm and level, but with like a underlying gnawing for food. Um, whereas if I'm eating the way I'm eating now, however you want to call it, um, I don't get that. So I feel full, I feel good. Um, and I, I, I'm fine. Um, yeah. So I, I guess I really like it. So I've probably been in ketosis for about a full week and I feel a okay, no performance loss. I'm sleeping well. Um, I feel great, you know, so that's my, what I'm currently doing. I'm planning on giving it a good eight week trial again, kind of like the way I read obesity code by Fung, you know, I need to, I, I need to experience it to be able to comment on it, I feel. So I need to experience this keto diet to be able to really comment it and say, well, okay, you know what? I did eight weeks of that. And maybe maybe six weeks from now, seven weeks from now, I will turn around and go, you know what, Sunil? That was a fucking disaster. I don't know what I was thinking about at the end of week one, but um, you never know, right? So at least I can talk about it. So week one's down. I feel great. We shall see. So we'll keep you guys updated with, uh, with what we think. Yeah, right. did you want me to comment? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go for it. And uh, oh. we'll probably do a wrap up actually. Like, what do you think? Should we call it that? Yeah, I, I, um, I think that was great what you just summarized there. Um, there's a lot of stuff that I was thinking about while you were talking. Um, just thinking about, you know, like successful people and their habits and their traits. Like, one thing that came across my mind was um, how, you know, kind of successful people don't really um, think about fashion and they just wear the same clothes or the same colors day in, day out. So they start the day with not having to think about that decision. Yes. They get on with the day. 
Um, there's, a, there's a lot of things like there that like you said that kind of got my mind jogging um, just about, you know, decisions uh, that, that you make um, and what makes you like, kind of happier. Because like, if you, if you start your day looking at your wardrobe and you're like, um, I don't even know what I want to wear. Like you're, you're starting your, your, your day like that. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, there's a lot of things that I took away from what you just said and I thought about. Topic. I've used that um, like the whole, the, the wardrobe thing. Like I, apparently Einstein never used to do that. Um, Bill, uh, not Bill Gates, the, the guy who's in charge of Apple. Elon Musk. Yeah, Musk. Oh, Steve Jobs. Well. Okay, yeah, there you go. And I, I use that example loads, but I've never pushed it out as far as I am now. Like I try and do that with every aspect. Things I wouldn't even think about, like diet. But yeah, no, I think that's a great, I use it all the time. Sorry, carry on. No, yeah, um, that's just, yeah, what, what you just said there just got, got me thinking about a lot of that stuff. Um, I like kind of psychology and philosophy. So I listen to like a lot of people and a lot of uh, teachers and lecturers on like that. And I try and see, you know, that's the kind of stuff that I'm really interested in, just like um, outside of fitness and stuff. But I try and apply that to my fitness and I try and learn from other successful people with their habits that aren't even fitness related and just seeing like, you know, what are you doing in your, in your realm, in your industry, and then applying that to fitness um, and health just in general. So yeah, I re really enjoyed what you said there. And to leave like a, a cliffhanger for, a for the future episode, um, Faz's post uh, on his failure uh, set with free weight barbell back squats was amazing. It's freaking, freaking the coolest thing I've seen like in the longest time. Um, and I'd love to talk about like that in a future podcast, but let, let us know in the comments, like, and just with the feedback, um, if that's something that, you know, the guys would be interested in hearing because if you've not seen that post, go on Faz Lift's Instagram and just ha have a look because, yeah, like, like I said, it's, it's one of the coolest things that I've seen in, in a long time and in lockdown, so yeah awesome well thank you very much I appreciate that and yeah i think if you're uh if you're listening to this whoever's youtube you listen to this on whether it's mine or sunil's hit like subscribe and uh it'll all be on all my various podcast platforms as well so soundcloud itunes stitcher and others as well <laughs> i've signed up to a lot um just give you <laughs> a review on itunes would be really useful actually so you know this is the kind of stuff we should say at the start of, of the video apparently apparently this is what, according to like good youtubers and good podcasters we should say subscribe at the beginning so next time we're going to do that so all right but anyway uh we'll call it there and uh yeah dude thank you for the chat i really enjoyed that